Welcome to this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Super excited. Today I am going to share a testimony of sorts of mine, a story of my own. And, um, you know, often on this podcast and in life, um, especially in church settings, we share the crazy things that Jesus is doing when it comes to healing or visions, encounters, trances, all that kind of thing. But I am going to share today on what I have called cockroaches in the sleeves, demonic cockroaches. And quite frankly, this is a story that I have shared uh, publicly in a few different places. But, you know, I don't know that that many people know this, uh, that this happened. And so I'm excited to tell you guys uh, a supernatural story that is definitely Jesus-centered, but quite frankly involves um, some of the scarier elements when it comes to the supernatural lifestyle, a supernatural experience with God, and that is the demonic realm. And so often we we attribute the demonic realm to movies, TV shows, and all that kind of thing. And so I, I don't know what everybody's everyday experience is with demons, but you know, um, I would say I'm constantly running into people that are demonically possessed, oppressed, um, at the very least, are partnering with demonic thoughts. Um, and this is something that as a seer, as a, as a feeler, these are things that pop up maybe more often uh, for me because I am aware of them. And, and maybe for you too, maybe you're aware of them and maybe you aren't. Or maybe, quite frankly, you've never had an experience that you knowingly knew a demon was involved. And so this this story, I hope, is uh, both going to entertain you and also enlighten you into the world of the supernatural. Back a couple years ago, I had the absolute privilege, one of the greatest things ever. I got to minister with a team at uh, a church in Pensacola, Florida, and this church is known as a spot of revival back in the early 2000s. They had a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they were seeing hundreds of thousands of people come to know Jesus. They had millions of people from across the planet um, coming into Pensacola so that they could visit this this place, this center, uh, this this open door to the heavens, if you will. And um, the veil was very small here, and so. It's a place I've heard a lot about. I, I have very close friends and mentors that um, that went to school at this church, or they were a part of this crazy revival back in the 90s and 2000s, and so something I'd heard a lot about, but um, finally got to go and minister at, and uh, and was so honored to be able to speak uh, from the mic up front and, um, and minister to people there, and uh, a friend of mine was sharing a story. He had actually just been um, radically delivered from a spirit of suicide that was attacking him and, and had just come to know Jesus in a whole new way only weeks prior to this trip. And so we felt as a team it would be really important for him to share not only his story, but to share it to this group of people and um, to the remnant that was there. Um, and so as he shared, I, I stood up with him and, and, um, you know, having slightly more, uh, ministry experience than him, 
um, we just thought it would be a good way to to kind of caveat between his story into moments of ministry and follow the Lord and whatever he wanted to do. And when we got done, uh, Brandon is his name. He began to go pray for people and, and lay hands on people. And, and we had an awesome time. And, and I prayed for a few people. And then I went to the back of the room just to kind of observe and take the moment in. And, and quite frankly, just realize the, the significance in my own life to being able to minister at a place of revival, a place that I have longed to just step foot in, but not only step foot in, but to to be on their stage and knowing that I, I'd had that honor so early on in my, uh, my ministry life. And as I uh, got to the back of the room, there was a group of older men who were uh, who were there during the old revival. They remembered the old days and they were telling me things in the room. They were pointing out um, spots of carpet that still had marks in them from people being in encounters and people running around the room full of uh, just strength and power by the Holy Spirit and and um, showing me where people would laugh and cry and pointing out spiritual things like in the front of the room there was a river and and how this is, they'd felt that river again tonight and that it was rushing in front of the stage and, and people were running up there to get delivered of things. And, and honestly, it was just a fascinating discussion. And I was so honored to be there and talk to them. And they were asking me questions about, um, quite frankly, uh, very well-known ministers that, that I have no personal relationship with, but, um, that I'd been mentored by. And so I was trying to answer as best I could without um, implying that I somehow had knowledge that I didn't. And while we talked about um, not only my church, Bethel Church in Redding, California, but also the past revival and what was happening in the room now, I noticed my friend Brandon comes up behind me and he he's standing like, like, we're in a circle talking, me and these old men, and, and Brandon comes up and he's like standing uh, where I can see him, but he's not joining the conversation, and he looks petrified. And so I know he has to tell me something, and I'm like ignoring him for a few minutes, of course, you know, trying to finish our conversation. And finally, after like a minute or two of him standing there, I'm like, I turn to him and I'm like, what's up, Brandon? I'm kind of having a conversation here. And he begins to like just stammer his words. He can barely get anything out. And he's like, ah, uh, uh, well, um, I, uh, well, I was praying and, um, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, what is it? And he goes, okay. And he like collects himself a little bit and he points up to the front and he says, I, I started praying for this guy. And when I was praying for him, I started feeling something crawling on my skin. And he's like, I opened my eyes and I looked down and there were spiders crawling over all over my arm. And I'm like, okay. So I said, you mean in the spirit, like in the supernatural, in the spirit, you saw uh, a vision of spiders crawling on your arms? And he goes, no, I'm pretty sure they were physically real. And I'm like, interesting. Okay, what, what do you mean? He's like, no, like there was actual spiders crawling on my arms. And he's like, they were coming out of this guy's skin. And I just look at him and I'm like, okay, that's a new one for me. 
um, what do you want me to do about that? And he goes, well, I told uh, so-and-so, and he says I should come get you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he said to come get me. And I'm like, okay, all right, well, let's, you know, let's take care of that, I guess. So I'm like, show me the guy. So the whole time we're walking down the aisle to find this, you know, this guy, I'm, I'm praying, okay, Holy Spirit, like this sounds demonic. It sounds like something crazy. I've dealt with demonic. I've dealt with deliverance. I have, I've never had anybody manifest spiders before. So you're going to need to, you know, walk me through this, teach me what to do. And he takes me up to this like, you know, 17, 18 year old kid. And I walk over to him and, and, uh, Brandon introduces me to him and I'm like, what's up, man. And I can tell immediately that this kid is terribly, terribly possessed by all sorts of demonic, um, just entities. And, and it's so obvious when you look at him and, and as he's speaking, that there are things that are talking to him that are not himself and they're not the Holy Spirit. They are 100% demons and they're manifesting in his, in his eyesight. They're manifesting in, in his speech. They're manifesting in all sorts of ways. And so I'm praying, okay, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to deliver this kid? Do you want, what do you, you know, just really trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and he says, pray for him, but don't lay hands on him. Let Brandon lay hands on him, but you just watch. So I said, okay, you know, that's what we'll do. So I told him, I'm like, hey, is it all right if we pray for you? And he looks at me, he goes, yeah, sure, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And so I look at Brandon, I'm like, Brandon, I'm going to have you lay hands on him. And he goes, okay. And so he puts his hands on, on this gentleman. and I begin to pray. And as I start praying, um, just a blessing over him, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm meaning what I'm saying, but I'm also very like aware of like, okay, I really need to follow the Lord. And so sometimes when I'm praying for people, I am praying for them genuinely, but really what I'm doing is having an internal spiritual conversation with the Holy Spirit and trying to discern between, um, what he wants and what would be best for the person I'm praying for, or, if he wants me to pray for something specific, that kind of thing. And so I'm asking questions while my mouth is saying, you know, other words and I'm praying a blessing over him. I'm, I'm really asking the Lord, Lord, what, what is it that he needs? While I'm having this dialogue internally, I just, as Brandon said, I begin to watch as physical spiders begin to crawl out of this guy's sleeves, seemingly out of his skin and down his arm and on to Brandon's. And Brandon, with his right hand, begins to swat these spiders off of his arms, trying really hard not to take his hand off the guy, but also trying not to get bit by these weird-looking spiders. And the kid seems completely oblivious to the fact that he has spiders crawling down his arm. And I'm not talking like one or two or like three, like, like oh, maybe he was in like some kind of weird spider web and he's got these spiders... I'm talking like 20, 30 spiders are crawling down this guy's arm and he's not moving at all. And they weren't there until I, I began to pray. And so I know that they're, that they are demonically um, being manifested on his body. So I'm like, okay, uh, this is, you know, a little crazy Lord. Like, what do I do? And I, I'm still not hearing anything. And so I, I just keep praying and um, the Lord says, don't, 
don't deliver him quite yet. I'm like, okay. So I keep praying and then I look down and I'm looking at his shoes and I realize that not only are spiders crawling out of his arms, but he has three to four inch cockroaches crawling down uh, his legs. They're coming out of his pant legs and they are crawling around the floor right beneath us. And we're in plain view in the middle of this massive church in Pensacola, Florida. And I start stomping on cockroaches. I mean, driving them into the carpet, probably seven or eight of them that I'm having to crush into the carpet as I'm praying for this guy. So he not only has spiders, he's got cockroaches literally crawling out of his skin. And, you know, I'm, I start remembering the um, Men in Black uh, 2 movie where the main villain, the main enemy is this giant cockroach, basically. And I'm like, wow, this this is a wild, whatever this demon is, is wild. You know, like I've never seen anything like this, but I'm also aware of the demonic just wants our attention. And so I'm trying not to give it too much of my attention, but I'm also kind of astounded at, um, you know, just aspects of the supernatural. And, and even the disciples, you know, they got really excited when they set people free from demons and, and Jesus warned them like, don't, don't be excited that you can do that. Just be excited that your name is written in the book of life. And, I have to remind myself that sometimes because I, I get what they were feeling, that idea that that something so powerful could be in their presence, and yet it, it's evil, but of course it still carries this weight of like, wow, that is beyond my normal understanding of reality. This is clearly something in the supernatural. I continue praying for him, and, and you know we continue killing these bugs, and then Finally, I just pray for the spirit of suicide to leave him, but I never feel released. And this is, this is kind of a weird one for me. And so I use this as a teaching tool because at no point did the Lord tell me to actually deliver him. And in fact, he told me not to. And so I wish I could say that that kid got free of demons that night. And, um, you know, he's cockroach and spider free. And the reality is I have no idea. I know that I prayed for him for maybe five, 10 minutes tops. And then afterwards, he looked up at me and asked, what should I do now? And and there was a group of people standing in a line at the front from our team. And they were doing this thing at, uh, that we call at Bethel a fire tunnel. And the idea is people w- walk down a center aisle with one person on either side of them who prays over them. And as you get through the tunnel, you're just being filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it's an area of increased spiritual activity. So it's it's like a landing pad and, and we're the flaggers of the plane trying to land the Holy Spirit onto people in specific ways and and bring them into an encounter with the Lord Almighty. And it's a beautiful thing that we do and I love it so much. It gets it gets manipulated um in certain media outlets, but but really it's very pure and genuine and it might look crazy but but it's it's just amazing, and I've had amazing experiences myself. So I see this group of people beginning to form a fire tunnel at the front, and and I tell them, I'm like, well, you should go in there. You should go walk through that zone. And so he goes, okay, whatever. And this kid, this kid, you know, walks over, and I obviously don't tell anybody what's going on. I didn't want to freak anybody else out, and, and I wasn't scared, but I was very aware Um you know, just from things that I've done already in ministry and the life I've lived and my story, like 
these kinds of things don't don't really mess with me, but I'm very aware that other people don't don't have um, as much supernatural awareness as I might in certain situations. And so I, you know, I figured, well, you know, some of the team members probably don't want to know about what's happening over here. You know, if they haven't seen it already, they probably don't want to know. So, so he goes over there and, and I tell uh, Brandon, okay, you know, you go pray for some other people. I'm going to go, I'm going to clean this mess up. Cause again, on the carpet next to us is a bunch of dead bugs and big ones and, you know, guts squished into the carpet and it's disgusting. And so I go to the bathroom and grab a bunch of paper towels and uh, start coming over and picking up these dead cockroaches and, and the spiders that I can find on the carpet and, and taking them back and throwing them in the trash. And, you know, as I'm doing that, I keep, you know, coming in and out of the sanctuary. And I look up at the front and realize that, that this kid who's so, you know, dealing with so much oppression and possession is, is flat on his back in an encounter with the Holy Spirit after he walked through the tunnel. And, and again, I, I can't tell you if he got free. I don't know if that if that happened to him, if if whatever encounter he was going through, whatever deliverance occurred to him in that fire tunnel set him free. And as uh, as far as I know, um, nobody else that night prayed specifically for him to be delivered. Now, I'm not saying that he wasn't delivered. Um, he might have been, but I don't know. And I don't want to pretend that he was. And you know, I use that for teaching a lot when I'm when I'm teaching on things of deliverance and teaching on the demonic and explaining to people like, hey, sometimes the Lord is going to reveal things to you. He's going to show you things, not so individuals will be free, but so you'll be ready for the next one. And sometimes it's just to show, hey, I'm going to need you to be obedient. And because there could be any number of reasons. Maybe he's not ready. Maybe he isn't ready to be free. And that's a pretty key piece of deliverance is the person needs to be ready. They need to be willing. Um, when they're not, you can do a lot more damage than, uh, than they're already in. Because, you know, even Jesus warns us, like, if, if a demon possesses a home and that demon leaves the home, but there's nothing that comes in and fills it, seven more come back that are worse than the first. And, you know, he uses that as a teaching to explain, like, the idea that if you deliver somebody, if somebody is free from demonic possession, but they are not filled with the Holy Spirit immediately after, then all you're doing is inviting more demons, a, a larger landing place, and that person very well could leave worse than they were before they ever came. And so it's very important that people are not only willing to be free, but they're willing to give their life to Jesus, because otherwise, again, you could be playing with somebody's uh, entire being, you know, their eternal existence. And so I, I know for me, I'm very cautious about deliverance. I don't just flippantly uh, walk around delivering people. That's not what I saw Jesus doing either. I think he was, he was pretty specific about the way he delivered demons from people. And even the early apostles were very specific um, the only instance that I, I even know of of somebody being set free that, that may not have wanted to is Paul and, and I believe Silas um, are walking through a town and there's this demon-possessed woman who is prophesying over them and she's saying good things, but it's coming from the wrong source. And Paul gets so irritated at this demon that he casts it out of her and sets her free. And, and you know, th so this is the only... Um, 
the only caveat to the rule that I'm aware of is um, when a demon is standing in the way of other people hearing the gospel, it's okay to, to set that person free. In any other instance, I'm very careful about it. And I wanted to share that story because, quite frankly, um, it excites me. And I've had a lot of demon experiences now. And at that time, I, I'd had quite a few. But even, you know, looking back uh, the last couple of years, there is definitely an increase in the amount of uh, need for deliverance and the need for people to have spiritual discernment. And um, even, quite frankly, just an increase in uh, in oppression, which is different than possession. Oppression would be, you know, uh, a demon is is knocking on your door and trying to get you to do certain things versus possession is you're, you're literally not in control. You are being manipulated internally by something uh, inside of you rather than something outside of you. And, you know, I look back on it as this, this almost fond memory. Of course, I wish that I could say he was set free that night, but, but I look back on it and I'm like, wow, God, Thank you so much that you gave me that experience in in that setting, in a place I'd always wanted to be, and with those people. And not only for the moment itself, but just really like life moving forward and realizing, man, the next one's going to be wild because the first one, you know, because of the early ones being so crazy, like... Of course, God is setting me up for something so insane that he doesn't want me to be afraid. And so if you've had experiences like that, I know of, I know of one friend who's not spirit-filled who, as a young kid, he, he actually saw um, a hand draw on his wall as a kid, a, like a ghost hand, a demonic hand, draw and write in blood. Um, a couple sentences on his on his living room wall, and um, right above this piano that his family kept in there, and and it was so intense and so real, and his whole family knew about it and and saw it happen that they sold the house just a few weeks later and moved cities. They were so petrified of this this demonic thing, and and so part of my reason of sharing that is not only to to excite you, but it's also this like, hey, so much of the time we discount these things because we we think the demonic is attached to Hollywood and, and film and we don't realize how very real some of this stuff is. And um and, and more than we think is real. And you know, and so um like I said, that friend of mine isn't even spirit filled. He's he has no grid for the supernatural ways of Jesus. His only influence of the supernatural from this point, you know, from that point on, from his early childhood until now, he's in his mid-30s, is all he knows is this weird, what he thinks is a ghost, wrote in blood on his wall. And, you know, if you, the law first mentioned, if, if your first experience is something with the demonic, it could be very hard for you to realize that there's actually a whole nother world, a much bigger, brighter, better world of Jesus supernatural, of the kingdom of heaven being in your life and changing the way you view things. And I, I just hope that we don't ignore them. 
I hope that we don't ignore the supernatural occurrences that are evil as just as much as we don't the the good ones, the spirit-filled ones, because not because I want to uh, put them on a pedestal or make them seem better than they are and definitely not to entice somebody into some weird power struggle with a demon, but but more so because if people aren't aware of the reality around them, it becomes very difficult to change their mind. They get so indoctrinated with this idea that evil exists, but goodness doesn't, or the opposite. They, you know, if they grew up in the church, they have this idea that, oh, ghosts aren't real. Demons aren't real. Um, those kinds of things don't happen. That's just movies. And I'm not going to watch those movies because of this and this and this. And paranormal activity isn't real and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, <clears throat> I understand the heart and the heart of it initially, at least, is trying not to expose. And there is a verse in the Bible where, where um, Paul warns us, you know, not to, not to think on things that are evil, not to even talk about them. And Jesus warns us about even discussing the sins of the people um, that are doing evil. And, and of course, I don't want to um, glorify anything of the evil world, but I do think we need to have open and honest discussion on things like this, on, on evil, quote-unquote, evil things on demonic realms and be aware because ignorance doesn't save anybody and ignorance isn't good. And the, the more we pretend that these kinds of things don't happen or they only happen to certain people or they only happen outside of this, this country, they're not in the Western world, this, these are African stories, these are these are Far East Asian stories. They're whatever have you. These are Navajo stories. I mean, man, when we categorize the spiritual realm into areas that can't affect us because somehow we're more privileged as Americans or we're more privileged as Germans or, or Brits or, you know, Aussies. You know, I, I have all sorts of people I know from around the world that listen to this podcast. But, you know, whenever we categorize our spiritual experience, our cultural experience, and say, well, this could happen there, but it's not going to happen here, or this could happen to these people, but it can't happen to these people, or demons only attack the non-believers, they don't attack believers, or the opposite, demons only attack believers and not non-believers, or whatever box you've decided to put God in, man, you, you're, you, you just, you're setting yourself up, and you're making it harder for not only you, but harder for you to have answers for people in the future, harder for you to to share with people that have had experiences, quite frankly, harder to have compassion for people that have had experiences. If you go around your life thinking, well, demons can't do this, demons can't do that, demons don't do this, demons don't do that, and then somebody comes to you with a story that's going to completely eradicate your belief, you're going to come to a decision where you're going to either have to assume they're lying to you or you're going to have to break your box. And so everything when it comes to the supernatural, everything for this very reason, and it's not just with demons, it's with with every facet of the supernatural. There's only one question in my head that I never question. There's only one statement that I never go back on. I never have to worry about. I never go, well, maybe not. And that is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. He's the Son of God. 
creator of the universe. Anything that is not that, anything, I've given God the my full my full yes into, hey, this is what I think. Feel free to break my box. Because I never want to put God in a box. I don't want to put the supernatural in a box. I don't want to assume because so-and-so told me or so-and-so taught me or this person says this or this person says that, that something is truth that may not be. And there's so many things in this world that tell us that the ways of the demonic are not that crazy or um, the opposite. They're crazy and there's nothing we can do or we should be scared of these things. No, we shouldn't be scared. We should have open, honest discussion about what what happens and, and what is happening to certain people and and allow other people that, that safe place of like, hey, I had this happen to me. What do you think? Well, I think that that was probably a demon. Oh, really? That's a demon? Yeah, that was a demon. And hey, here's let's close some doors. You know, we're never going to get to a place of unity in the bride. And again, I'm sorry for my non-Christian listeners. If you're not understanding some of my lingo here, forgive me. But but those of you that know what I'm talking about, we are never going to get to a unified bride unless we are open and honest with each other and we're having real conversation, real discussion, and being just our authentic, true selves and authentic to the real gospel, authentic to real Jesus. And anyway, I'm, I'm back on a soapbox and thank you so much for joining me on this episode's, uh, this podcast episode. Um, it's a blast. I love sharing that story. Um, I love talking about things of the supernatural. Obviously, I wouldn't have a podcast if I didn't. But I want to remind you, Jesus is supernatural. Tune in next week. I'm super excited for next week's episode. What's up, party people? Thanks for listening to the Jesus is Supernatural podcast. This podcast was edited and produced by Nikeo Productions. To check out other shows by Nikeo, just search Nikeo Productions wherever you listen to podcasts.